Hi there. My name is Amanda Poole Walsh, and I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. And I'm Donna Woodwell, Astrology Hub's senior editor and master astrologer. And we are here for your weekly forecast for the week beginning on April 22nd. So Donna, what is the major theme that we are exploring together this week? Oh, Amanda, it was so difficult to choose just one theme for the week. On the one hand, there's something panoramic. There's some shifts that are sowing seeds for some major realignments that might take weeks and months to unfold. But on the other hand, there's lots and time to do some integration. I say that really slowly because it brings a feeling of time and, I don't know, spaciousness that I haven't felt in a while. I think you'll see what, what I mean when we talk about the days that are coming this week. Okay, so some a panoramic viewpoint as there's like major realignments happening and more than usual space for integration. Exactly. So let's dive into Monday. The week certainly starts with a bang. The moon is in fiery Sagittarius and opposes feisty Mars at midday in the Western Hemisphere at least. So we feel these songs of freedom and the wind is blowing and wanting to get us moving forward in new ways. In the evening hours, the sun is making its annual conjunction with the electrifying Uranus. And sun-Uranus connections bring a lot of need for freedom, for rebellion, or even revelation. These conjunctions are also extra potent because when the sun is conjunct Uranus, it's the one day a year when Uranus is technically free of its retrograde shadow. Now, we don't have time to go into what that all means here, but for the outer planets, they spend most of their time either retrograde or in the place where they've been before, retracing their steps. And so there's only one day a year for Uranus when he's actually covering new territory that he's never retraced before, and it's the one day he happens to be conjunct the sun. So you can think about it as this powerful moment of seeding things from the deep cosmos into our reality. So it's a great time to look around and see what's new, what's inspiring, or those flashes of insight you happen, even when you're just in the shower, because it's a time when we can just open ourselves to something we haven't considered before, get a boost from that spark of innovation and revolution to help us see things a little bit differently. Now, coincidentally, I find fascinating that this year, that Sun-Uranus alignment is also happening on Earth Day. And I always look around to see what's happening at the moment these aspects occur because it gives us an indication of what kind of context that they're happening in. So what does this mean for us? Well, it could be that there's something about the Earth and the way we relate to the Earth that's, you know, begging for a revolution. Well, you know, I say that out loud. It, we already know this. Another way to get a sense of what it means when these things happen is to look around to see the asteroids that are happening, happen to be right there where the a big event is happening. So this one happens to be conjunct panopeia. Panopeia is from a Greek word that means all-seeing, so which gives another sense of that panoramic vision to get above fray, so to speak, and see the big picture. 
And Hygieia, which is uh, where we get the word hygiene from, it's a goddess of health and healing. So there's a lot of health and healing going on with this aspect that comes from being able to see the big picture. It's also less than a degree away from, there's an asteroid, Vaticana. Who would have thought? And, you know, that's where we get the word Vatican from. So personally, I think there's a lot of stuff going on right now about how we relate to the planet and how to see things a little bit differently, which, you know, again, may be playing out for the next months and years to come because of this alignment. Also, if you're magically inclined, Monday would be a great day to employ that Egyptian symbol of the all-seeing eye. Um, sometimes it's called the eye of Ra, which is the sun god, or the eye of Horus, and play with that electric trickster energy of Uranus, because you never know what you're going to get. Amanda, I know from the time I spent in Hawaii, there's lots of powerful Hawaiian rituals that connect us to the sun and trickster energy. Can you, can you go into some of those? Because maybe it would give some people some ideas of the kind of rituals they could do for themselves to honor this occasion. There is a wonderful chant that we do in my hula halau that is all about calling up the sun. So uh, the Hawaiians would do this chant as the sun was rising, and they would do it three times to quote unquote call up the sun. Now, they didn't actually think they were calling up the sun, like, like their chant was actually bringing it up. But what it really does is highlight the metaphor of calling up the sun within, you know, calling up our light, bringing in the light, honoring the light as it comes um, from the darkness. So I love it. Um, it's, it's a beautiful chant. And also there's the story of Maui lassoing the sun. So, I mean, the, the god Maui, whose mom was, was trying to make kapa, which is the cloth that they would use and pound and then turn into sheets and clothing and all kinds of things. Her, her kapa didn't have enough time to dry. And so Maui lassoed the sun and slowed down the sun's transit through the sky so that his mom's kappa would have enough time to dry, which I just think is such a sweet story. I mean, just such, such a heroic thing for him to do. It's like, oh, I'll fix that. I'll just slow things down a little bit for you, mom. So yeah, I mean, there's some, I, I live on the Hale Akala. Hale is house and Akala is of the sun. And so this is the, the mountain that I live on and I look right across to Hale Mahina, which is House of the Moon. So there, there was a deep connection with nature and the rhythms and the stars and the sky, and it was embedded into the culture very, very, very deeply. I don't know if that's helpful, but those are some of the, some of the rituals that, that, um, that I know of. You know, again, Earth Day, a great time to practice any kind of rit rituals that connect us, you know, connect the heavens and the earth. And, and you know, sometimes astrologers forget the earth is a planet too. All these planets that we look at in the sky all the time, and yet we forget that you know, we live on one. And that deep connection that we have with our own planet is actually what helps us to bridge our connection to all the other ones. Absolutely. Do you want me to do the chant? Sure. I think that would be wonderful. All right. I'm going to do it. And it actually accompanies this, um, this, it has a clap that goes with it. It always makes me feel a little bit like a cheerleader, but I love it. It's a very special clap that you do. And it would be done three times. I'm just going to do it once. And you would do it three times.
and you do it as the sun rises and you face the sun. I love it. (laughs) I absolutely love it. We should all come to your house and chant for you. I would love that. I would love that. Actually, we did have an Astrology Hub team meeting here uh, a few months ago, and I did that chant for the team. It was really nice. So with all of this energy in the air, you might feel the need to head out on Monday night. Just be careful because the moon is also squaring Neptune on Monday evening, and that's a recipe for not making clear-headed decisions. So if you're going to go out and about to run off some of that energy, just make sure you stay alert if you can or maybe have a designated driver. Okay, on Tuesday, once again, the moon is void, of course, all day for those in the Western Hemisphere. So Tuesday is a great day to catch up or to rest. Personally, I'm thinking about making the day to plan and strategize goals for the next three or four months, especially incorporating any insights that I picked up from all of Monday's magic. So as the moon moves into pragmatic Capricorn in the evening hours, you know, it's time to get real and lay out your clothes and your to-do list for the next morning. So I think that's a great gift to go from that Monday magical intensity to have some time to process and then back into grounded Saturn Capricorn territory so you can actually put what you learned into good use. Okay, so on Wednesday, we've got another outer planet at a turning point because Pluto is stationing retrograde. Now, to me, the energy of these outer planets is qualitatively different from the visible ones. The visible ones are all about the physical stuff of life. That's why we can see them. But the outer ones are powerful in a different kind of way, so to speak. They have much deeper effects on our psyches and they take significantly longer to bubble up to the surface from that point of view. But when they do, they're kind of like lava that just paves over whatever anything is in their way because they're remaking reality around them. So when Pluto is at one of these turning points, it's starting a several month period where we begin to reimagine our ideas about well everything Pluto has to do with, which is power and transformation and creation energy at its very primal source, alchemy, even magic. And so it encourages us to question how we relate to all of these kinds of themes in our life and to empower ourselves in new way to be positive co-creators. So Amanda, this is when I'd send you back up the Haleakala Mountain again to connect deep into the core of the mountain. I mean, in a way, I think of Pluto more like Pele than many of the other images that we have of Pluto. I remember when I was out in the Big Island the last time, you know, at Volcano Park, and you can see those lava flows that just, you know, flow across the road and continue on their merry way. And basically, there's nothing a human can do when the volcano, when Pele wants to erupt, and create new land, everyone else can say, thank you, Pele, and get out of the way, because Pele will do what Pele will do. And that's the way I think about, you know, Pluto moving through our lives. It's the part of us that's bigger and deeper than us. So you live on Pele, in a sense. So how do the ancient Hawaiians, since we're on the theme, tap into this primal energy source? Wow, with great levels of respect. And great levels of respect and appreciation for the beauty of that cycle of life, 
that yes, destroy everything in its path, but it is also simultaneously creating new land, new life, new opportunity for life. And so there's this relationship that is so dynamic and, and present, you know, and one of the native trees here, the, the ohia lehua, there's um, sacred plants in our hula halau, in our hula lineage, and, and all hula lineages have these sacred plants, and, and the ohia lehua is one of ours, and it's the first tree that, that comes out of the lava. And so it's sturdy and strong and tenacious and perseverant. There's all this symbolism that we can tune into. And so when you're experiencing Pluto in your life or Pele, whichever way you want to look at what's happening, it's both the respect of the process of life, you know, the destruction that has to happen in order to make way for new growth and new life. And I love looking at pictures of the plants that, that make their way out of the, the lava flow. You know, how does that happen? It looks like everything's dead, you know, and then yet new life is able to come through and poke its head through hardened lava. You know, it's miraculous. And that is within all of us, you know, that ability to take the quote unquote devastation of our life or the, the, the places that are seemingly dead or numb and reinvigorate them with life. It's, it's a miracle. That's beautiful. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing the number of times when I have sat in like, oh, I don't know, an astrology group meeting where everybody's going, oh, my life is awful. Pluto is crossing my ascendant and it's dark and terrible. And what if we could flip that around where they said, you know, Pluto's crossing my ascendant. I get to recreate. I get to create a whole new process of being new land is being created from the very bottom of my soul. How amazing would that be? That's amazing. I highly encourage us to take that stance because it's true. I mean, really, it's true. Yeah, there's so much to, to learn from the, the stories and the mythology and nature, really, at the end of the day. It's nature showing us, you know, that this is what's possible. We get so attached to the way that things are, you know, even with the latest lava flow on the big island, you know, people losing their homes and, and they put their whole life savings into creating this dream home with their farm and, and their aquaponic system and, you know, whatever it is. And yet there is this knowing that at any moment you're living on, a, on an active volcano, it could all go away. So that's true about everything. It's not just if you're living on an active volcano at any moment, it could be the end. You know, so just the reminder of that, the constant living in that state of awareness of that, I think it helps us live more fully and more appreciatively and, and to take those moments to share our love and our gratitude with people. So maybe this is reminding all of you about that right now. That'd be great. Definitely. I would say amen, but following the Hawaiian theme, what did they say for amen in Hawaiian for so mote it be? Mm. That's going to be your homework, Amanda. You have to report back to us next week. <laughs> wow. At the, end of our, uh, at the end of our hula dancing, we do blessings on our circle, nona mea vai vai. They don't actually say goodbye. They don't actually end things like that because they don't, it's, it's, it's ahui ho um, until we meet again because they don't see it as like an ending. There's no like, bye, you know, and I'll never see you again. It's like ahui ho until we meet again in this lifetime or the next. I don't know how it would be to close even at the end of a hula performance. The last dance is usually a hula ma'i, which is a, a very sexual hula dance that is honoring the reproduction. It's honoring fertility. It's honoring the cycle of life and the continuation of life that it will just keep going. So there's this, there's this open-endedness to it. I don't know that there would ever be a like, amen, like that's it. 
you know, it's amen means let it be so. It's kind of like a like an extra yes, and um, it's it's related to the word abracadabra, which basically loosely translates as as I speak, it becomes real. Right. I love that. I tell my girls that all the time. That as we speak, so we create. Let's keep moving, Donna. Okay. Well, moving into the weekend. As weekends go, this one's pretty quiet. Friday night features a sweet moon sextile to Venus. And so, or it would be if the moon wasn't in, you know, very dry Aquarius and Venus wasn't in freedom craving Aries. So it's a great night for being social, but it's not really romantic in the cuddly candlelight dinner kind of way. But, you know, you can be really close, but not too close in your closeness, if that makes any sense. So maybe take separate cars to the candlelight dinner. Saturday features what I find to be one of the most exhausting aspects of the year, and that's feisty Mars squaring off with the dissolving Neptune. Neptune has a tendency to take Mars's energy and squelch it. So you might need to tone it down a little bit, prepare to be a little more tired or have the, have the low energy finally catch up with you. But, you know, at least Mars, Neptune only tangle like this every year or so. So give yourself a break. Maybe kick back, watch a movie, do something really simple. And then once again, on Sunday, the moon is void all day long. And I did mention a few weeks ago that there was a lot of these long voids going on this month. But they are punctuated by some intense moments. So I I tend to think that when it happens this way, we have these long take a break times because we had that super intense unconjunct Uranus and then Pluto stationing to go retrograde. We need a little extra time to process. And thankfully, it's, well, this week and many other weeks, it's built right into the system. So take advantage of it and allow yourself the time to let those seeds go deep so that they can flourish in your life. Hmm, I love it. Again, once again, we're ending the week on a really sweet note. I, I love that. Okay, so some of the takeaways that I'm, I'm getting from this, Donna, that I'd love to share with everybody. Number one is this Sun-Uranus conjunction that only happens once a year, you guys. So this when I hear that, I hear opportunity, right? <laughs> to open up to the downloads that you might be receiving, the flashes of inspiration or insight. Maybe the inspirations and insight could be around health and healing. You know, just be open. There is a, a revolutionary energy about it and you may have insights into things that you didn't have before. So cultivate that awareness. Number two, take whatever insights you receive and make a plan you know, start to put some solid structure around it if possible. And that's after Monday's experience. We also have the, the Pluto going retrograde. So again, this is a time for us to really sit with our relationship with the cycle of life, the birth and the destruction, um, you know, what things in our life might be time to let go of, reevaluating our, our relationship around magic and alchemy and what's possible there. And then finally, we have a sweet weekend. We have spaciousness. We have time to integrate. We have time to, uh, it's a good time to check out on Saturday and binge watch on Netflix or whatever you want to catch up on. And that's our week. So it's definitely a dynamic week. I can see why you had a hard time choosing a theme. Sometimes it works out that way. You want to choose like, why can you only choose one? 
<laughs> exactly. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, for being a part of our community, and as always, for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on Thursday's episode featuring Amelie Grace. We're going to be introducing you to a complementary field to astrology called the Gene Keys. Amelie Grace is an amazing, amazing being. I think you're going to love her. She will be featured on Thursday's episode. She's also our next lunar cycle guide for the Inner Circle, our membership group. So for those of you in the Inner Circle, you're going to have a lot of fun getting to know Amelie and getting a little taste of what's coming next. All right. Thanks, everybody, and take care. Are you ready to learn more about astrology, take your work with the moon cycles to the next level, and experience what it feels like to be supported by a thriving community of like-minded and like-hearted souls? Then we have the place for you. Join Astrology Hub's Inner Circle, a global community dedicated to spiritual growth, lunar forecasts, and mastery classes with leading astrologers. Simply go to astrologyhub.com slash inner circle to learn more and join us today. Reconnect with your childlike wonder of the universe and rediscover your place and purpose in it all. Join our inner circle today. Visit astrologyhub.com slash inner circle and get in our inner circle today. Hi, this is Chris Kaplan, the producer of the Astrology Hub podcast. This episode is over, but check the show notes for links to products and services you've heard about during this episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please subscribe and rate using the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts.